We are in a, uh, a mini-series called Membership Matters. And last week, uh, I tried to answer the question, why join a church? Why can't I just attend? I mean, I'll give, I'll serve, I'll participate, but why do I have to sign on the dotted line? Uh, I'm not a joiner. Joining is like passe, that's yesterday. I don't like to join things. Uh, why do I need to be, why do we need to make this a formal thing? And so I tried to explain that last week, and I went so far as to say, here's what I know. If you attend a church that has membership, God wants you to join. Uh, and what I don't know is whether or not God wants you to join Clearwater Church, and that's what I'm asking you to prayerfully consider during this series. Uh, I came across a quote by Mark Deaver that summed up so well what I was trying to say last week. He said, The practice of church membership among Christians has developed as an attempt to help us grasp hold of each other in responsibility and love. And so last week I said, you know, there's no biblical command that just flat out says you must join a church, right? But we looked at... uh, um, practices of the New Testament church that recommend membership. And membership has been developed over time by Christians, I love this, to help us grasp hold of each other in responsibility and love. That, that puts it so well. He goes on, By identifying ourselves with a particular church, we let the pastors and other members of that local church know that we intend to be committed in attendance, giving, prayer, and service. We increase others' expectation of us in these areas, and we make it known that we are the responsibility of this local church. We assure the church of our commitment to Christ in serving with them, and we call for their commitment to serve us in love and to encourage us in our discipleship. Uh, Chris Kefalos told me, Uh, last week that there's actually a a technical term for the kind of uh, positive stress I was saying joining a church can bring into our lives, right? Uh, And he said it is called eustress. I think it's EU. Am I right on that, Chris? EU. Eustress. Which is the kind of stress you feel when you're uh, training for an event or, you know, you're about to step onto the wrestling match and you've... You've got the, uh, the, the tension rising in your body, and it helps you perform uh, at your peak. And so then you are successful, and you feel good, and that's called eustress. And so he said, you know, it's, it's good to have some eustress in your life. So this week, uh, this week the, the question I'm trying to answer is this. Uh, okay, I joined Clearwater Church. What exactly am I committing to? That's, that's what we want to answer today. Let me uh, read a little poem called The Perfect Church. I think that I shall never see a church that's all it ought to be, a church whose members never stray beyond the straight and narrow way, a church that has no empty pews, whose pastor never has the blues, a church whose elders always speak and none is proud and all are meek. Such perfect churches there may be, but none of them are known to me. But still, we'll work and pray and plan to make our own the best we can. We're not perfect people. Clearwater Church is not a perfect church. Uh, but we, we are trying to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has, uh, Jesus has, has said, I am building my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is a, uh, the only institution on earth that Jesus Christ is building 
and that is his church. So what am I committing to if I become a, a member? Before I get into the particulars, uh, let me just kind of in, say this in um, generalization. So we are not Catholics. We're not Orthodox. We, uh, we're in line with the you know, Protestant Reformation. We're Protestant evangelicals. And the, the, the Reformation tradition has said that church is, does three things. Uh, first off, church is an assembly. And it's an assembly where the word is rightly taught, where the sacraments are rightly celebrated, and where discipline uh, is rightly administered. Those are the three kind of marks of the church, historically. And first off, it's an assembly, which means... Um, Members of the global spiritual body of Christ, the global church, capital C, uh, they assemble together in, in more localized communities. We call them local churches. And they assemble together to fulfill the Great Commission. They assemble together to rightly teach the word, to rightly uh, celebrate the sacraments, and to rightly administer discipline. And so uh, for this to occur, there are just some some uh, logical things that must be in place. If you're going to rightly teach the word as, as a church, you've got to have teachers. You've got to have uh, a, a, an understanding of doctrine, a particular way of, of interpreting the scriptures and determining whether something is true or false. If you're going to rightly celebrate the sacraments, you have to understand what are the sacraments. For us here at Clearwater Church, it's baptism and communion. Uh, how do we, you know, what does it look like to rightly celebrate that. You have to do that, uh, have, a, have a process for doing that when you gather together. And discipline. I mean, if you're going to uh, rightly administer discipline, there's got to be an agreed-upon code of conduct. There's got to be a commitment by the members to live a, a, a holy life. There has to be a... Uh, we have to live in community enough that we actually observe each other's... Li- we know each other and how, how our lives are going. Uh, we have to be willing to challenge each other when we get out of line. There's got to be a process for correction. There have to be uh, people who have the authority to discipline, right? So now we're going to get to the specifics. We've tried to, um, in the membership covenant, we've tried to capture uh, what is needed for, for a church to be healthy, for our church to be healthy. And we're going to walk through this let me just say that um, it doesn't make any sense to be a member of a local church if you're not already a member of the global church. If you're not a Christian, you have, really, you have no business being a member of a Christian church. Because when a, when a local church claims you as a member, it's, it's basically saying, we agree that you are saved. We agree that you're a Christian. We agree that you're a member of the uh, body of Christ, global spiritual, and therefore you have a right to be a member of our church. In fact, you don't, you know, one thing we don't want to do is, uh, as a local church, we should never exclude from membership those who are truly saved. They have a right to be members of a local church if they are members of, of the global church. All right, so let's, uh, we're going to walk through this here for uh, most of our time together so that it is crystal clear in your mind what exactly it is you would be committing to if you become a member of our church. 
this is not a typical sermon. Uh, this is a little more informational today. Here we go. By signing this membership covenant, I am attesting that I have, number one, repented of my sins and received Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. That's how you become a Christian. And so if you're not a Christian, then, then joining, joining the church is not uh, what you need to be focused on. You need to be focused on answering the, the question, uh, will I repent and become a follower of Christ? Number two, I am attesting that I have been baptized. Why do we make baptism a prerequisite uh, to membership? Well, in the New Testament, uh, the New Testament basically understands Christians as those who have repented of the sins, put their faith in Christ, been baptized, and are part of a local church. And um, baptism is not necessary for salvation, but baptism... Uh, there doesn't seem to be much of a delay between conversion and baptism. And so I would say if you haven't been baptized, you have, you're not fully obedient. Christ is just flat out says, you know, get baptized. And so uh, we don't want to put the cart before the ho- horse. And in a sense, this is intended to spotlight that and say, look, if you're a follower of Christ and you haven't been baptized, uh, that's what you need to be doing. And then, uh, then join the church. What about infant baptism? We don't baptize infants here at Clearwater Church, but for purposes of membership, if you were baptized as an infant, um, we will accept that as um, fulfilling this requirement. Provided, and this is important, provided that you, later in life as an adult, uh, uh, affirm what your parents did on your behalf as yours. Okay, and, And you have to do that publicly in a church. That's actually spelled out in our church's bylaws. So that means this. So, so if you were baptized in an infant, there has to have been a time as an adult where you stood up in church, doesn't have to be our church, and you said, you know what, I receive what my parents did on my behalf uh, as uh, for me. All right? And we accept that uh, as fulfilling the baptism requirement. Number three, I am attesting that I have completed the membership process. Last week I told you six months from now, if you want to become an elder, uh, an elder, if you want to become a member, you will have to go through a membership class. That will be our kind of on, you know, ongoing process. There will be a separate membership class. This Membership Matters series is taking the place of that. Uh, so you guys get exempted from you know, the future process. And Next Sunday, the 11th, we're installing elders, and at that point, we will allow you, if, you, if, you, uh, if God leads you, to turn in your um, signed membership covenants and become charter members of the church. And we're going to allow this through, throughout the uh, month of September, so you have time to think and pray. By the way, uh, the elders do have to approve, so there's one more step. You sign, turn it in, and then the elders uh, do have to um, approve every members candidacy I am attesting section 2 I am attesting that I agree to the following confession of faith so here we get into the you know what we believe six points the confession of faith number 1 I believe in God the father almighty maker of heaven and earth and in Jesus Christ his only son our lord and in the holy spirit and that these three are one god trinitarian statement uh, by the way, that's often the statement that uh, dis- differentiates us from the cults. 
Number two, I reverently receive the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments and believe them to be the inspired word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice. Number three, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, who in the beginning was with God and was God, and who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Number four, I believe the Holy Spirit has led me to repent of all my sins and to turn from them and to obey Christ, where he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Number five, I believe in the resurrection of the dead and in the final judgment of all people. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Number six, I believe that we are saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and that good works are the certain fruit of such faith. I therefore, offer myself for Christian service as a means of expressing my gratitude to him and to extend his cause. Now, we have... Uh, in addition to the confession of faith, we have a statement of faith, and you can find that on our website, and it's more extensive. There are 13 points. Why do we have two? Well, the, um, the confession of faith listed here is, uh, these are the essentials. These are the things that we believe all Christians must, uh, must believe if they're going to be called Christians, and they, all Christians throughout time have had to believe these things, Right? And this is what the, the church has tried to do in things like the Apostles' Creed, to distill the essentials. Now, I think of theology in sort of uh, three concentric circles. You have a picture there. Uh, the center circle, those are the essentials. That's what we've tried to capture here in the Confession of Faith. All Christians uh, must uh, agree to these, must believe these things. Then, there, then the next layer or, uh, of theology I call convictions, and convictions are the things that um, I, I would rec- we, we would say, hey, I recognize you as a Christian, you're a brother and sister in Christ, I'm going to see you in heaven, but we don't agree on this particular you know, doctrine. But when a church gathers together, it has to function a certain way, and so uh, churches will often have convictions that uh, they practice and teach, uh, and ex- exclusively, even though they recognize, uh, you know, pe- other Christians don't necessarily agree. That's what our uh, statement of faith includes. It includes both the essentials and the convictions. So you can be a member in good standing and disagree with some points of the statement of faith. I will say this. Every elder and every pastor has to agree with the statement of faith in, in, in its entirety but not members. All you have to uh, agree to is the confession of faith. Now, as a member, we would ask for the sake of unity that you not uh, agitate for something other than what is uh, the official position and practice you know, of, of the church. That makes sense? Then there's a final layer of theology, and that's the freedom layer, in which we say uh, not only do we recognize Christians disagree about this, we allow differing opinions you know, to be debated. So around here, that would be, for example, uh, some of the finer points of eschatology. Are Christians raptured prior to the tribulation, in the middle of the tribulation, at the end of the tribulation, right? All right, so I, I have a, I'm attesting that I have done these things, that I agree to the confession of faith. Now the third section. Uh, I am attesting that I am willingly covenanting 
Number one, to submit to the Bible as the final arbiter on all issues. Uh, the Bible is the rule, of, rule for us. It's the rule of faith and practice. So the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Number two, I am willingly covenanting to pursue a personal relationship with Jesus Christ through spiritual disciplines like Bible reading, prayer, and Christian fellowship, which includes regularly attending church services. I had to specify that. That's an aspect of Christian fellowship. Uh, if you're going to be uh, a member of Clearwater Church, then you need to, you know, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10. So, you know, regularity, what is that? You and the Lord can decide that. Number three, I am willingly covenanting to remember the person and work of Christ through communion. Number four, I'm willingly covenanting to cheerfully and regularly support Clearwater Church with my time, talents, and treasures. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible doesn't uh, tell us how many, time, uh, how many hours you should uh, give or how much money you should give. But it does say do so cheerfully and regularly, right? So we leave that to you in the Lord. Um, and by the way, I wasn't going to say this, but I've, a couple years ago at the Global Leadership Summit, there was this, um, uh, some academic that was talking about um, what is uh, volunteerism, and he said they have dis- they've discovered that um, volunteers, kind of the average volunteerism is two hours a week or 200 hours, or no, 100 hours a year. I thought that was fascinating. The Bible doesn't say that. I just thought that was fascinating. Okay, number five. I am willingly covenanting, number five, to diligently strive for unity and peace within the church. Boy, think of Jesus' high priestly prayer. Father, may they be one as we are one. Uh, They will know we are Christians by our love, right? Peace and unity is so, 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 so important. And uh, it it takes uh, intentionality. It takes valuing. We're committed to that. It continues, if married... I'm willingly covenanting, if married, to walk through the steps of marriage reconciliation recommended by the church board before pursuing divorce from my spouse. Um, the unity within nuclear families uh, affects the unity of the family of God more generally. And uh, that's a covenant that you have made with your spouse before God and uh, as Christians to the church. And so uh, we take it seriously and you need to allow the church. Uh, we need to allow uh, the church to help us stay faithful to that covenant. Number six, I'm willingly covenanting by God's grace through the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in holiness in all areas of life as an act of worship to Jesus Christ. I will strive to put to death sinful attitudes and actions while stirring and practicing love and good deeds. So, the goal be ye perfect as I am perfect. The goal is Christ-likeness. And uh, we, we sh- as Christians, that should absolutely be our goal. And we should strive to it. Make every effort to add to your faith, right? Do we do it perfectly? No, we won't this side of heaven. We can grow in it, and we should grow in it. And we will grow in it as we, you know, as we strive in the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, but what do we do when we fail? And that's the next. I willingly covenant to do the following when I sin. A, confess my sin to God 
and also to fellow believers when appropriate. 1 John 1, 9, if I confess my sins, uh, he is faithful and just to forgive. James 5, 16, uh, confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. And B, I, when, when I sin, I will repent and seek help putting the sin to death. Um, by the way, if, um, it's interesting that the only time the Bible talks about excluding somebody or kicking somebody out of, of church membership is not because they have sinned terribly. This is very, very important. And it's not like you say, I'm sorry, but that's just, that was too egregious. We can't stomach that. You're out of here. It's, it's not because the sin was so bad. It's because their heart was hardened and they refused to repent of the sin. They were, they were confronted um, in, in the, with the right process, and yet they remain stubborn and persistent in their sin. And it's only then that the church says, I'm sorry, but if you have that attitude and that callousness toward um, pleasing God, then we, we have to, we're going to conclude although we leave it into the hands of the Lord, we can't conclude that you're regenerate. And so it says, treat them as a Gentile or a tax collector. It doesn't say that they are. Ultimately, that's God's judgment. So this uh, willingness to um, repent and change when, when we get tangled up in sin is so important. Number eight, I am willingly covenanting to submit to God's discipline by... A, following the Bible's process for confronting sin in a fellow believer for the purpose of stimulating repentance and restoration. So when I, when I see uh, my brother or sister in Christ caught up in sin, I'm going to approach them in the biblical way and for the purpose not of, you know, one-upping them, not of catching them, ha <laughs> finally, you know, but truly for the purpose of them um, finding repentance and restoration. For their welfare. And then when it's me, B, I willingly covenant to receive righteous and loving discipline when approached biblically by fellow believers. And then uh, C, submitting to the elders and other appointed leaders of the church. And the Bible says that uh, they're keeping watch over our souls as those who have to give an account. God puts leaders uh, in, in the church to to help us, right, to help stimulate our spiritual growth. And then finally, to notify Clearwater Church should I wish to leave and seek another church where I can carry out my biblical responsibilities as a believer. So one thing that uh, uh, we wrestled with is we, we asked this question. If, uh, if somebody were to say, no, I'm not willing to um, agree to that, on any particular um, part of this, would we say, ah, let's not worry about that one. You know, it's okay. You can still be a member of church. And the answer was no. There's nothing, you know, this, uh, does, does, this seems to us to be um, the, the expectation of the Christian. And certainly the expectation of the Christian within the Christian community. Uh, there's nothing here that is just, that is uh, unreasonable at all or unbiblical, right? Other than you have to go through the membership process. I couldn't defend that one biblically. So please consider, um, you know, take this home with you, pray about it, uh, and ask ask God, do, do you want me 
to sign this thing? Do you want me to covenant with these people here at Clearwater Church? Um, I, I believe that the Lord is calling uh, some of us to do that. Uh, he's brought us together over the last three years, and, and now uh, he's setting uh, an additional kind of uh, challenge of commitment. Are you willing to go you know, all in and really make, make it known uh, that you're right here at Clearwater Church? So pray about that, and I look forward, obviously, I look forward to seeing um, how the Lord moves over the, over the next number of weeks. So let me uh, conclude with Titus chapter 2. 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Only if all people would recognize it and step into it and enjoy it, right? Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, uh, we long for Christ's return. We're waiting for him to return. But in the, mean, in the meantime, we are pursuing Christ's likeness, and we need each other to do that. Verse 14, Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Here's the reality. The church is to model for the world a different kind of living. So where else is the world going to look? To what nation are they going to look? To what club are they going to look? Uh, to what tribe are they going to look? That models um, the lordship of Jesus Christ, models life the way it was intended. It's the church, the church that is supposed to be a beacon of light, a, t a different way of living, a life of faith, a life of love, right? Uh, a different kind of family. And so that those on the outside who are, who are really asking, is there a better way? And they're looking around. All of a sudden they see Clearwater Church or one of, uh, one of many other wonderful churches even right here in Anchorage and they say you know what there is right there in front of me in black and white real people are doing life differently they're doing life better you know what I want in on that and, and it is a wonderful force uh, for the gospel it's an evangelistic uh, uh, power it's, it's a powerhouse but we have to commit ourselves to living that way with each other right it doesn't just happen. It requires intentionality. And so that's what I really feel God is uh, challenging us with. Are we going to uh, take the next step in really forming that community uh, that will be a witness to the world? Does God want that? Absolutely. That, to me, I, as I read the scriptures, that's absolutely part of what God, uh, uh, Christ is building when he says, I'm building my church. <clears throat> 